We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. For boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com. That's W-H-N-N-Bet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host Nick Pilato. Today we want to do a little, something a little bit different for the draft profiles. We're going to bring in a player who, in my mind, and I'm sure I'm, I'm curious if Nick will disagree, I think will be available to them if the Giants want him on day three of the NFL draft. That's rounds four, five, six, seven range. Probably closer to the round four range, I think, because I think some teams will be on to him as well. But the position dictates all the position gets dropped every year more and more and more we're seeing that and that's running back Damian Pierce out of Florida and this is a player who I haven't decided yet Nick last year my big steal of the draft value at running back who I wanted was Khalil Herbert I nailed it I'm gonna be honest I'm gonna pat myself on the back because I don't always get these right but I saw that I saw what I saw on tape with Herbert and I think I was pretty close to right because he looked awesome right away with the Bears he had that elite level burst he reminded me in some ways of Tiki Barber I said it last year and I still see it watching him in the NFL he's so low to the ground he runs through contact and he has burst crazy burst I don't think Pierce is a similar prospect he does a lot of things differently and I'll get to my NFL comp from later in this episode but I really enjoyed watching Pierce at Florida I went back and I even watched some 2020 tape I saw the game against Oklahoma I believe it was their bowl game where he really showed out and I, and I really liked his tape against Georgia from this year in 2021 just because that's a elite level defense where there's matchup problems all over the defense for Florida's offensive line. And this is the Florida running back, by the way, Damian Pierce. And this is a prospect who I really like for the giants. Before we get into that though, I wanted to talk a little bit about some 30,000 foot view questions and topics related to Damian Pierce and the running back position and the running back class in general, as it's related to the giants who currently have Saquon Barkley and Matt Breida as their one, two running back punch. Barkley only under contract through this year. Brita only under contract through this year. Neither currently on the team on their, you know, under contract for 2023. And so let's start there, Nick. I want to first ask you this. Sal from Queens, who's a great follower of ours, 
Uh, big, big time fan of Sal. Always interact with him on Twitter. I don't know if you do as well. Uh, yeah, he's the man. He's the man. He brought up a great point, and his point was, if we're to assume the Giants aren't going to trade Saquon Barkley, and at this point, I don't think the Giants are going to trade Saquon Barkley. This is in large part a John Mara thing, uh, in my opinion. I think, <laughs> look, this guy sells jerseys. This guy makes them a lot of money off the field and has so since he got here. That's part of the equation. And he's also kind of like that great teammate, that great, great locker room guy, which they love. So if you're to assume they aren't going to trade Saquon Barkley, Sal asks, does it make more sense to skip running back on day three of this draft class and then take the running back next draft, knowing that if they take him this year with Barkley kind of already locked into that workhorse role for one final year for the Giants, we're almost in some ways wasting one of those rookie contract years. And what's the best value? What's the point of taking these running backs on day three? It's that you lock them into a contract for four years at a salary cap hit of $1 million against the cap, and it doesn't go up. You get four years of that team-controlled $1 million minimal cap hit, almost like a vet minimum, it's almost like. And you could get a Ramondre Stevenson or even you know some of these other running backs that have been hit, Kareem Hunt, a lot of these, and he was a third-round pick, but a lot of these third- and fourth-round picks that have been hits at the NFL level, you get them for cheap. And so he wonders, is it better to wait and not take a running back in this class, take one next class, and then they get an extra year of that cheap rookie deal? In theory, that makes a lot of sense. And I love the fact that Sal brought that up because I think it's a good talking point about the running back position in this draft. There are a solid amount of running backs in this draft. It's a deep class in general. And when you look at the depth chart of Giants, you mentioned Barkley, you mentioned Breeder. They also brought Antonio Williams over, who was with them in Buffalo. They bring Sandro Platzgummer back. I don't expect him to be anything more than a practice squad type player. And they have Gary Brightwell on the roster. That wasn't their draft pick, which is important. They might have have any kind of plan for Brightwell. But what I will say is this. While it works in theory, if you really love a player, you go and you get him because Saquon Barkley has had a lot of injury issues. Matt Breida has had a lot of injury issues. Antonio Williams, Sandro Platzgummer, Gary Brightwell, not necessarily players you want to rely on. So I feel like if you really like someone and they're at value, you go and you get your guy. I understand exactly where Sal's coming from. I think it's a wise way to look at this. And realistically, the Giants could look at it in that manner. But I don't think it should prevent them from going after a good running back in this draft class. Somebody who could step in and kind of get his feet wet, learn behind Saquon Barkley before assuming a more prominent role if Barkley and Breida are not back in 2023. Yeah, I think you nailed it, Sal. I have the same opinion as Nick on this one. We're trying to do our best to disagree a little bit more on this podcast. We had a little bit of disagreement in some ways, not much, just with one aspect, one trade of Jermaine Johnson's game. But I can't find myself disagreeing with Nick on this because I agree in theory. It's just like a lot of these draft questions in my mind, a lot of these hypothetical draft questions. In theory, yes, we want that extra year of the rookie deal, but... Not in theory. You have to get your guy. If you see a guy you like and you feel like there's a great value, like if, if that guy is Pierce for the Giants, let's say, and they're sitting there with one of their picks and they feel like he's, I don't know, one of the best, he's their best player on the board by far and somebody who they felt like is better than the 30 names they've heard called before that, they can't just wait. It's kind of just like when people are like, we need an offensive tackle and an offensive and a guard. Let's take them rounds one and two. No, you can't do it like that. You cannot draft for position. And you cannot wait because, you know, you feel like, oh, it's better to have a quarterback in next class or, oh, it's better to have a running back in next class. So in theory, I like the idea, Sal, and maybe it will work out that way ultimately. But I don't know if I feel like you can go with that route. And that kind of leads me to my next talking point before we get into Pierce, Nick. And 
you know, I'm still early in the process, but I've done a decent amount of work because we're doing a lot of work for CBS Sports. The draft profiles, go check them out. Me and Dave Richard over at CBS Sports. We're doing draft profiles on players. They're fantasy football-based profiles with dynasty outlooks, if that's your thing, and keeper-based outlooks and outlooks for the rookie season. But they're also scouting reports, so it's kind of a two-in-one. If you like the draft scouting-type reports, but also the fantasy-type outlooks, you want to get a head start there, check us out on cbssports.com. You'll find it from me and Dave. But it leads me to my next point, Nick, which is from early evaluations of this class, this is one of the worst running back classes I've evaluated in a while. I do love Brees Hall at the top. And I like Kenneth Walker from what I've seen, but from a depth standpoint, and even not just depth, like even just like the three through eight range ranked running backs. I think this is a really bad class for running back. One of the worst I've, I think it actually is the worst I've evaluated since I've started doing this seriously, which has only been a few years now, four years. But ultimately I think that kind of leads a little bit into what Sal was saying in some ways. Like, do you want to buy into, I almost like the idea like a couple years ago, it was a sick wide receiver class, sick offense tackle class. I like the idea of drafting into the strength of the class. If one, Nick, my question for you is this one, based on what you've seen so far, do you feel like this is a weaker running back class? And two, does that play into your, does that at all play into your strategy for drafting the position? It would play into the strategy. And there are a lot of names that I've heard good things about that I just haven't gotten to their film, specifically Missouri's Tyler Batty. A lot of these guys are down at the senior bowl. They look like they have juice, but I feel like the running back position is kind of hard to evaluate when there's no contact in practice at the senior bowl. Tyler Algier, I heard a lot of people rave about him from BYU. So I think it's deep at the bottom half. I just don't think there's a lot of top end complete backs like we've seen in, in other classes. I like Kenneth Walker. I studied his tape from Michigan State. I think there's a lot that to, to be um, used in the NFL level. And I know he wasn't necessarily somebody who was used too much in the passing game when he was at Wake Forest and when he was at Michigan State. But you watch him run in a phone booth and in tight quarters, the dude's feet are just very, very, very quick. And he's low to the ground, built well, really, really strong contact bounce. So I liked his tape. Isaiah Spiller was somebody that I felt like was a solid overall player. I haven't watched Hall yet. I got to get there, but I kind of like some of these guys to be, I don't, I don't know if it's the weakest. I, I, I don't tend to, especially the last couple drafts study the running back position in depth because the giants have had Saquon Barkley. So I looked at a lot of the other positions, but I kind of like some of these guys, Brian Robinson from Alabama, Rashad White from Arizona State, James Cook from Georgia, Kyron Williams from Notre Dame is one of the best pass protecting backs. He kind of reminds me, not because they're both Notre Dame guys, but Theo Riddick, I think he could be a player similar to him in the in the NFL. So there are guys that I do like, but I don't know if there's the top end guys that we've seen. I'm not. Uh, would you agree with that or do you think I'm off there? No, I, I do like some of those names you mentioned from what I've seen so far. Uh, specifically Cook out of Georgia, I really like. And I like him as more. What's interesting about Cook is, and we'll get to a profile on him, so we'll we'll pause on that and not go too deep, but I actually like him as more of a of a unique player at the next level, almost like a Debo Samuel-esque player that leans more toward the run game than the pass game, but flip those, flip those roles a bit, but in similar regard, because I almost like him more as a receiver in some ways. But, you know, and you mentioned some other guys. I like Rashad White. There are a few guys in there, but they're all, to me, day three type guys, guys that really won't want to invest invest anything more than, at most, if you love a guy, a third-round pick. And even the guy we're going to talk about today, Damon Pierce, who I like a lot, I wouldn't be using probably my – I'm definitely not using any of my second-round picks on him or my one second-round pick from the Giants. And I'm probably not using my third-round pick either because I just feel like there's going to be a corner, edge, or interior offensive lineman I'm going to like more at the time or even a safety potentially. 
And so I'm probably not using it there either at, at running backs. They just, these guys just don't like, they don't do it for me in that same way that guy that running backs in the past have. And it's especially more true. I agree in that, in that like rank after the big two backs here, to me, it's more true after Walker and Brees Hall. I really don't love over investing in anyone after that. Like, I don't know if I lo- even love anyone after that, but Ultimately, I feel like while there are some sleepers and there will be in every class, this is one of the weaker classes I've seen, if not the weakest. From the standpoint that you just laid out, that makes sense. And I don't know how much of that, and I think this is a conversation maybe for another day or we can kind of expound on it here, is the fact that the running back position has naturally been devalued recently or if it's these running back specific skill sets. Because some of these running backs, they have one trump card that you really like, but then it's like, yeah, but can he run between the tackles? (laughs) Is he going to be able to be somebody who hits the A-gap and run through those arm tackles and kind of sift through the trash of running inside zone and duo? Or is he somebody who's naturally going to be an off-tackle type of runner? And I think there are a couple guys in this class that kind of fit into that paradigm a little bit. And that's where it gets interesting. But overall, you'll look at the entire class and you'll look at the offensive line. You'll look at the safety position, the defensive backs. You look at the linebackers. You look at the edge rushers. You look at some of those defensive linemen. You go to all these positions and you see players that you want in the second and third round. And then you go to the running back position. You're like, you know what? I, I think I can wait till day three and get – some of these other guys like a Hassan Haskins from Michigan or Zamir White, if you want to take a risk on his medicals from Georgia, you can get them a little bit later and then beef up the rest of your roster. Yeah, uh, agreed. And ultimately, I don't, again, I don't, I don't know. I even love a lot of these late round guys. I feel like this to me, Sal, I'm, I'm almost on board with what Sal was suggesting. Like this may be a class I'm going to skip, but that's not everybody. Like I, again, I like Cook a lot. And the guy I really like is the guy we're going to talk about today, Damian Pierce. So I think when all said and done, Nick, and I'll be curious to get your take. Most likely, this is going to be my RB3 for me, the guy after Walker and the guy after uh, Brees Hall, the two obvious one and twos, because he has a lot of what I like in a running back in general, and I think he has a chance to fall into day day three. And if he's available to top around four, he's a player I will be interested in taking. I think he is probably a top 75 player in this class overall, factoring in the value of running back. I'm not saying not factoring in, and that should always be factored in. Like, I never had Barkley as the number one or number two player in the 2018 class because he played running back, and I stand by that. And I ultimately think he was a bit overrated anyway um, as a running back because I don't love his vision, and I don't at all love his running style, I guess I would call it. But here's a guy in Damon Pierce, and this is a good segue for that, Nick, that I love his vision, and I love his running style. Pierce, to me, watching Pierce, man, I had a chance to watch his games against Oklahoma, the bowl game from 2020. I watched the Georgia game for sure. And let me see this other one. What a, I had one other game that I've watched, and then I've just seen a, lo- a lot of clips of him. And I've seen enough to know, like, this is my style running back, Nick. He packs a punch. He's super powerful between the tackles. He always falls forward. But the thing I like most about Pierce is his nifty footwork. He's really has quiet feet. He doesn't have much wasted movement when making his cuts uphill and his slashing style. But he's also really good at getting around the edge and kind of using his vision to, to set up his blocks, but also to see what's developing and then make the right decision as a running back. I think his decision-making and his processing as a running back is has a supernatural feel to it. In in many ways, he kind of reminds me of a less explosive version of like a Michael Turner type. I actually, when I was first watching him, I thought back to a player that I watched growing up, Nick, Natron Means. Do you remember Natron Means from the Chargers? I actually, no, I don't. I don't. Okay. I'm sure the younger version of myself is probably hitting smacking myself across the face total will smith chris rock style right now because yeah. i'm sure i used him in madden or something 
But I did, yeah, you might have used him. He's a really old school player. It was before Tomlinson, but Natron means a little bit like that. Um, I've seen some people compare him to CJ Anderson. I can understand that take too. Anderson was a great player in his prime, but he has a lot to his game. And he's also an asset as a pass, like as a pass protector and I'm passing down. Cause he, to me, although he wasn't used a lot in this way, he was a supernatural receiver, both from getting out into his routes and his hands, his natural hands. So to me, he's a really complete back with the ex- one exception of, I don't think he has ultimately un- any kind of close to unbelievable uh, deep speed or even like his burst is pretty good, but I don't think it's like next level burst. But I, man, I really like what I see from Damian Pierce. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, I think you broke them down well. And that, those are some of my weaknesses that you went over. There, there is no breakaway speed there. And I question if he's going to be able to consistently get the edge at the NFL yeah. level. Now, I'll say this, and I felt like he did a good job at the college level doing this because you mentioned his quick feet. And I don't have the plays in front of me. If I go through my notes, I'm sure I can find them. There were at least two or three plays on film that I saw him go in a one-on-one manner off to the edge and it was him against a linebacker or a safety coming downhill and the safety, they, the linebacker, they stood square. They had good technique and all Pierce did was sink his weight a little bit, chop his feet like he was cutting inside. And that was enough to just pause that second level defender and allow Pierce to explode and gain the edge. Yes. Now this happened a lot to the field. We know in college, the hashes are a lot bigger than in the NFL. So, and the NFL players are much better athletes. I don't know if he's going to be able to consistently get away with that, but I did like the fact that he was able to show that kind of quick stop and start ability to kind of mask the deficiencies that he has in that breakaway speed and that lack of 
elite burst. I think his burst is is adequate. You know, it's solid. It's not totally deficient. But you look at some other players in this draft class that are they're a little bit more explosive than he is. Yeah, and that's a great point, Nick, because he even did that once against Georgia, which I think is probably the best test case. Like that defense has so much NFL talent on it that like if you can make that move and get to the edge there. It's probably a good sign, but that's really what I think his best trade is, the one you mentioned after that, which is his stop and start ability. For a man his size at five foot ten, two fifteen, and look, I also love these kind of backs. Like Nick, for me, I'm not a heightist when it comes to running back, but the six foot one Brees Hall style, which is kind of like that Arian Foster upright running style, it can work. And I like Brees Hall a lot. He made, he was really good stop and start ability too, and he's super smooth looking out there. But when you're built like five foot ten and lower to the ground, like a Damian Pierce or a Kenneth Walker type, I just feel like you run with better leverage. You fall, you do a better job of creating yards after contact and falling forward. And for a man at five foot ten, two fifteen, like Pierce is to have that kind of footwork and that stop and start ability, that ability to restart his momentum and then get it moving forward, where you know if he's got himself moving and slashing downhill again, he's gonna pick up yards because he's gonna pick up yards after contact and fall forward. It's a really good sign for an athlete of that size. It is. And I believe the play in my notes, it was against USF in the first quarter around the 12-15 mark, and it was a first and 10. And I think he ended up picking up a first down on that rush where he really had no business doing it. But my favorite play, and I put this one up on Twitter, probably from his tape that wasn't, you know, a touchdown or a long pass. It was a 19-yard gain, and it really shouldn't have been. And it was when Florida was in a pistol formation with the tight end to the strength in the H back position. And he was going up against, this was against Georgia four down front. That was kind of in an even front. So the three technique is towards the strength. So it's towards the field side where that tight end is. And then, you know, Georgia loves to run those mint type of nickel packages where they'll have one linebacker, which was Nicobe Dean. And they'll usually drop a defensive back into the backfield. We saw Patrick Graham do that really often with Jabril Peppers. So that's the look that we have. And on this play, the quarterback opens towards the boundary and he hands the football. So the weak side and Pierce does such a good job pressing the line of scrimmage. He's going off of a double team that's on the one technique. So he's going to try and hit the B gap that is wide open and he presses it. And what I mean by presses it, he goes way up to the line of scrimmage. And what that does is it draws Nicobe Dean away from his A gap responsibility. He scrapes over the top to try and fill. And then Lewis scene also comes down to his actual run fit, which is the B gap. And he goes to fill. So now Pierce has both of those players in the B gap. So what does he do right as he gets to the ass of that double team? He just jukes off of his outside foot into the opposite a gap off the backside of his center. And there's just nothing but space for him. So the opposite side safety flies into this play and he lowers his shoulder and runs through number 29 and picks up like an extra six yards or something like that, falling through two tackles. That was probably my favorite play of his. If anybody wants to go check it out, it's on my Twitter. I posted it on Friday. Yeah, that was a great breakdown that Nick posted. And I believe I retweeted as well if you want to take a look at my Twitter. But it's part of what he offers. In addition to that unbelievable stop and start ability, in my mind, just really very little wasted movement with his footwork. Mm -hmm. I think he has that, which is a great, those two traits. I think he's a really good processing back too. We talk a lot about the nuances of the running back position, the mental processing, the ability to have vision, make those vision cuts, which I see all over Pierce's film, a ton of great vision cuts and that ability to process and set up blocks and understand what's going on with the defense and with your blocking that can give you the right pit, you know, the right spot to pick. 
That's something I think Saquon Barkley has struggled with at Penn State and throughout his Giants career. And that's something I think separates the Dalvin Cooks and Nick Chubb, Chubbs in the NFL and why they're such effective running backs, despite not being nearly as athletic as Saquon Barkley is. And Damon Pierce, who's not the athlete Barkley is, or even a top-level athlete in my mind, has those things. And then in addition to that, you look at the fact that, and this is partially based on those things, I think, because he does a good job of getting his body weight moving laterally, or um, yeah, moving laterally forward which helps lead to the broken tackles and the yards after contact. I mean, this is a player who only had 100 attempts in 2021. And he broke 39 tackles on 100 attempts. That's insane. It is insane. And you can see it too, man, because he's running through players. There was a play on against Florida State where one of the defenders had him and the hole, and he just ran through the arm tackle. Like, you can't arm tackle him. He runs yeah. way too physically, way too low to the ground. And you know what? Even if you square him up, you're not going to stand him up too often unless there's two guys there. Like You need to really have a lot of stopping power as a defensive back to slow this guy down when he has a full head of steam. And when he gets that, he's very dangerous. Also, man, we haven't even touched on his ability as a pass catcher because I yes. felt like – Dan Mullen, the, the former head coach of Florida, he loved to you know use three backs, and I feel like he was criminally underutilized as an asset, Damian Pierce. This guy only had 119 touches last year, 100 carries. He had 19 catches. I feel like he probably could have had a lot more and would have really helped that offense that struggled for Florida last season. But what he did do was use him up the seam quite a bit. He had three or four big catches that went for over 20, 25 yards up the seam. And that's something that you like to see as well from Damon Pierce, something that not every running back is capable of doing. And he had the ability, despite the fact that he's not an elite athlete. Yeah, you're 100% right. There's underrated ability as a receiver. That's kind of where the, I think the CJ Anderson type comp and Michael Turner towards the late end of his career comp with Matt Ryan comes into play for me. I also think he showed in, and I haven't seen as much because I saw the three games really is all that I watch in depth. The U S the, the USF game that they just played the bowl game, the bowl game from the year ago. And then that Georgia game, which was really good game from him in my mind. And I think he showed well as a pass protector too, in the limited reps I saw, you might've seen more. So what are your, what are your thoughts on him as a pass protector? So as a pass protector, I honestly didn't see too many reps of him pass protecting. Not as much as I There's thought. Not I much. Would. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I saw him at the Senior Bowl. He had a couple of really good reps in there. But what I will say is he had a few poor reps when he was just a blocker because Florida liked to use a lot of split back and then use the option off of it. So when that happened and it wasn't towards his side, he turned into a blocker, sometimes to the play side. Sometimes it was just an RPO where it was split back and he was tasked to he was tasked to go and block the end man on the line of scrimmage. Difficult ask for a running back. I get that. And then the quarterback would go into the mesh point with the other running back and then look for his options off of an RPO. When he did hand the football off to that other running back, I felt like Pierce wasn't too effective blocking that end man on the line of scrimmage. Sometimes it was a safety. Sometimes it was, you know, an edge rusher from a smaller school, not like an SEC type school. But I still think – that wasn't crisp, but I also think I'm being a little bit nitpicky here, you know? So I, I wanted to acknowledge that. I think in yeah. past when he when he's not going forward, when he's just sitting back, being patient, he does a good job kind of lowering a center of gravity, not getting too aggressive, although there were times where he leaned into the blocks when he was going forward, but I think it's a product of going forward, whereas if he's sitting back and being patient, it's something that he would be able to do. But there's just not a ton of film of him doing it, which leads me to be a little bit inconclusive with my final determination on that part of his game, although I do like what I saw from the Senior Bowl. 
I think that's fair. I think inconclusive on his pass protection is totally a fair mark for him. And that's something that we'll have to see at the next level. I do think he has the capability, though, and that's obviously more a processing thing and a mental thing, so I shouldn't say that just based on his size. But the, 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 I saw one rep where he looked really good standing up a pass rusher, so who knows with that. But definitely as well something we will be keeping an eye on for sure. Um, as far as Pierce goes, there has been limited, I guess, tread on his tire, if you will. He wasn't used as a workhorse by any means at Florida. I think that's a good thing because I think he can be that every down back because he has the passing game skill set. He has the size and he has the vision and he has the processing skills and that quick, not only that quick ability to cut, but that really nice footwork in the backfield for a player of his size. And overall, do you hold that against him at all? Or are you viewing that as a positive as well, that he doesn't have as many carries at the, at the collegiate level and hasn't really proven he can be a workhorse. Yeah, so I don't hold it against him. I put it in the quote-unquote weaknesses part of the evaluation that I don't think it's hit yet, but that I have written up for Sports Illustrated. But the only reason I put it's just an acknowledgement that, hey, it could be viewed this way. But I think it was much more of a product of Dan Mullen and his philosophies as a coach. But when you look at Damian Pierce and you say this guy had multiple carries, you know, double-digit carries twice last year. It's something that should be acknowledged. I think this guy, just judging by his build, his physicality, I think he is capable of handling more than that. But I think it should be acknowledged, which is something I feel like we we always bring up on this podcast. You acknowledge things. doesn't necessarily mean it's a deterrent to you selecting them, but you want to kind of keep it in the back of your mind and then go through his film with that as an evaluator. Right. And that's fair as well, I think, too. He's also an older prospect that I believe he's over 22 years old. That I'll hold a little less against him, though. We should keep in mind at the running back position, the shelf life is pretty short. The average uh, average age of the starting running backs across the NFL continues to drop year after year. And that was with like it being buoyed up by Adrian Peterson playing forever. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like, Honestly, like. I- I don't really care about running backs age because let's be honest, the more than likely not going to give them a second contract. You shouldn't. Right. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So like, that's something that I feel like is overrated, but he's 22. That's, it's not like a 24 year old. Even if he was 24 again, like the end of his contract, he's 28 and it's definitely like a, yo, sayonara, man. We're going to use you as much as we can during this first contract. You're not getting a second one from us, which sucks, but it is what it is at this point. That might be the best way to play the position, to be completely honest. You keep recycling through. There's talent in every class, every draft class. You keep recycling through four years here, four years there. Never pay more than $1 million against the cap for your lead backs. And you can even take multiple ones and have a two-back system or a three-back system. You just keep taking them on day three. Into, uh, I'm sorry, in round three, round four, round five range. And there's so much talent there that you're probably hit. I mean, the Patriots are pretty much doing that with Damian Harrison. I'm sorry, Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. And I think they'll continue to do that as well. I think they'll continue to take swings on in rounds three and four at the running back position. And it's the right way to play it. It is the right way to play it. And I would not be shocked if that's how Bill Belichick does it. He's been kind of ahead of the curb with, with that part of roster construction. It's something the Patriots have always done, selling people high, like trading star guys like Richard Seymour and being like, oh, why the heck are they doing that? And it's like, well, because he's probably going to lose his step next season. And Bill has been pretty solid at predicting that. And to be fair, he did take a couple of swings. He took Sony Michelle in the first round. I'm sure he regrets that one. And Lawrence Maroney as well, another one he regrets. Looking Wasn't back that- just through it. Yeah, wasn't the the Sony Michelle and I remember like that one was really weird to me. Very that weird. Was, it deviated from everything that you expected New England Patriots to do. Yeah, like that's one that like and I, I feel like with the Patriots we we do this a lot, Dan. Just like collectively as people who work in the 
the New York media or not the New York, the football media. We just kind of write passes for them because they were so successful yeah. <laughs> for so long. But they've had some head-scratching moves in the past. That one being one of them. Some of their wide receiver selections just never panned out. Is that a mental thing? Is it a physical thing? I'm not 100% certain. Right. When you draft you know, Nikhil Harry in the first round, and then he just fizzles out and busts. It's like, bro, what are we doing? And that's not even the first one. They drafted the kid out of Marshall Dobson a couple of years uh, before that, and I think it was like the second round. That kid had like a crazy catch in college. I remember it was one of like the craziest catches I've ever seen, but he didn't uh, pan out. They, they have a couple guys on their resume like that, and then they'll go and they'll get somebody in like the sixth round or as an undrafted free agent who'll be like a 10-year starter for them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So it's definitely hit or miss there. Um, Anything else on Pierce or the running back position or the Giants, anything like that? Yeah, with Pierce, I think we went over his weaknesses a, a solid amount. This is somebody who I feel like can be a grinder for you. He can move the chains. He could be a short yardage back, but he's a little bit more than that. I think his ceiling is a possible three down back that would be still in a 1A, 1B type of situation, but he can play all three downs if that 1A or 1B wasn't there. I think that's his ceiling. What do you think? his ceiling floor is for someone like this? That's a good question. I do feel like he has three down back ceiling because I love his vision. I love his footwork. I love his power and his ability to not only break tackles, but cut and get upfield vertically and then just pick up that extra yardage. And, and it's the, and it's the receiving work that has me believing he can be a third down back. Again, it's a total projection on the pass protection part because we don't really know. We haven't seen him. There's really not many reps. But as a receiver, I thought he looked natural and fluid both in his route running and his hands. And so, and and just like little things like his ability to adjust to, a, to maybe slightly off target throw that he has to adjust to in the air. So to me, I, despite not having the breakaway speed, I see a three down back. I don't think you need breakaway speed to be a three down back at the NFL level. Like you maybe never get to that level of the, of the Dalvin Cook. Nick Chubb, elite, elite, but you can get to a high level as a running back without having that elite breakaway speed. Yes, I think you're 100% accurate. And you brought up his his ability to change direction and go back inside. The second and 10 run against South Carolina in the fourth quarter, it was, it was near the end of the game, I, I think. It was one of those runs where you watch a lot of his film and you see him bounce outside, bounce outside, bounce outside. And then when he cuts back inside, it's like, oh, wow, man, this guy really does have quick feet. And on that run, it was a shotgun offset, and he was running towards the strength. He kind of cuts inside towards the B-gap and then bounces it outside. And you kind of think he's going to keep going outside, but you have two defenders who are laterally flowing with him, and he had the vision and just kind of the natural feel of being a running back to chop his feet and then direct himself back inside where blockers were. And he picked up extra yards, juked out somebody, and then ran, and then I think he spun through a tackle and kind of fell forward just little runs like that, where he deviates from some of the tendencies that you see in other areas of his game. It just kind of shows his adaptability and his reactionary quickness throughout the play. And I feel like from a mental processing standpoint, it's something that you kind of see a solid amount throughout his film. Yeah, without a doubt, the mental processing is there. And that to me, again, the nuances of playing the running back position, I'll be high on those forever. I learned, I learned a lot about the running back position, watching Matt Waldman. For those of you who want to kind of learn more, about what I'm talking about when I refer to kind of like, because in the old days, Nick, I really used to be a big believer in the size speed profile. Um, I think like back in the day, there was a really good study by, I think it was football outsiders that showed success rate and how, e and how like translatable it was to draft these guys who had a nice combination of 40 yard dash plus size. So just like the weight. 
But these days, I just don't feel like those that translates the same way because there are so there's like you're 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 skipping out on so much when you're not considering things like mental processing, the ability to set up blocks, the ability to read read you know where the right hole is, um, and also that stop and start ability. That's a whole nother thing that goes back into athleticism that he has, Damian Pierce. He has that stop and start ability, that really soft feet that he does. It's you don't see him really getting himself off balance or out of position a lot with his feet, at least. And so, yeah, for me, I'm really excited about this prospect. He's a target for me. I don't have running back targets er often with the Giants. Khalil Herbert was a target for me on day day four or day three last year. Keep I keep saying day four when I'm thinking of round four, and then like for the round three picks, I keep thinking day three, but it's not. Um, but he'll be a target for me in round four. Round three, I'm not sure about. They have two two round three picks. Obviously, I think a case can be made that it'll be an okay value to take a Damian Pierce in that range. I just think there's going to be so many other players at other positions that I prefer. And I still stand by, I I don't want to prioritize running back too much. Yeah, I would hundred percent agree. This is the running back position in general to me is a day three selection for the New yeah. York giants in the current state that they're in. And if 2021 draft taught us anything, it's you can get good football players at the running back position, the way the NFL is evaluating them and valuing them in day on day three. So don't, overdraft somebody don't Dave Gettleman it up yeah don't Gettleman this again and they won't I don't think they will I mean Joe Shane never did with the Bills so and neither did Brandon Bean I, I don't want to say Joe Shane when it was Bean's team but you know what I mean oh you just you just rhyme there by the way uh not on purpose this time all right everyone thank you so much for joining us on the Big Blue Banter podcast this was a Damon Pierce draft profile it's a running back out of Florida we just wrapped up Jermaine Johnson edge out of at Florida State more to come in the following days, keep it locked and loaded. We're also going to have some guests on to talk specific positions. So coming up next week will be Lori Fitzpatrick, and I think she's excellent. One of the best X's and O's people out there right now that people don't know about. And we're going to try to bring, we're going to try to let all of you know about her and get in on the secret before she breaks out. So have a great rest of your weekend, and we'll talk to you soon. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.